I'm your host, Carol Castle, a proud AAF Fox River Club member. Today we're talking to Rob Momartz, a successful illustrator. Rob works for Cryptozoic Entertainment, a game and collectibles company in California. He's also a successful children's book illustrator and is represented by Jill Grinberg Literary Management. Today we're going to find out um, what Rob's first costume was at Burning Man. Was it A, Lobster Boy, B, Microcosm Mermaid, or C, SpongeBob Betty? And I'm going to start with a question that I didn't send you. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the mother of all creative inspirations. This is a place in the desert called Burning Man. <laughs> yes. That you and I attended. How many years, Rob? Um, that was, is that eight? No, 19? No, 2002. How many? What is that? <laughs> I didn't do good math and school um we're we're, we're approaching years ago yeah we're yeah two decades yeah that's crazy do you remember the um theme of burning man that year the floating world very good yes and um costumes daily costumes were part of our uh, routine um one in particular you wore stands out. Um, can you tell our listeners my favorite costume that you wore? <laughs> Lobster Boy. Lobster Boy. And it's every bit as amazing as it sounds. <laughs> what were some, yeah. Being at Burning Man, what were some of <clears> the <throat> things that you took away that were that sort of fueled your creativity, if anything? Um, just just some of the the the, the huge sculptures that were that were created it, that was one of the things that I, I i just still to this day i can't believe that they, they were able to haul something like that out in the middle of nowhere and put it together and uh i i don't know and it seems like they did i don't know what kind of time they had beforehand to create these but it was un, unreal how that was all looked like literally thrown together and um very surreal and it was one of those things where I think we talked about this before, but it was it was kind of one of those things where if a if a pink <clears throat> a pink goat would have walked past me, I wouldn't even turn around and look at it because it was just there was so much crazy stuff that that we were expo exposed to when we were there. Um, I would yeah. the art installations were phenomenal, and I don't know how they hauled them out with generators. Some of them were yeah. lit sound well, very, very inspiring, and just to see um how how the the the, the whole the uh, floating world was interpreted by different people how people saw that differently i mean i kind of and a lot of the stuff that we did was kind of more aquatic theme but um and my costume was <laughs> obviously aquatic theme but it was all like foam rubber and that was the thing with that i was worried about um because i painted it with like um spray paint basically <laughs> and i was worried about catching on fire um because i because i sprayed it with some sort of um flame retardant stuff whatever beforehand but i don't know it didn't really make me feel any better so because it but, is burning man after yeah, all yeah and, and you know there's lots of open flames all over the place that whole week when we were there so but my one costume to the the 10 costumes you had <laughs> <laughs> yeah i went overboard um expecting anything 
Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm still waiting. Uh, Rob, you're an illustrator, and I'm still waiting for a children's book, the Lobster Boy series. Well, actually, I just recently worked on a project where I had to create a character, uh, a person with with a lobster themed outfit. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's ever if it's ever going to be seen. That was precious. You created this character now. Someone asked you for but, it. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, 20 years later, um, which, you know, it was a kind of a fun a character design for a project I've been working on. But <clears throat> I, I was thinking of my, my is it looks like a high tech version of the costume I made. Mine was pretty, 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 pretty prehistoric, but just a red hooded sweatshirt with uh, sweatpants and a. <laughs> Don't uh, understand it. Foam it's remarkable. But yeah, it was fun. All right, so let's talk about your career. Um, let's talk about your origin story, which is pretty um, a pretty uh, cryptozoic entertainment thing to say. Um, when did you know you wanted to be an illustrator? Um, good question. Um, probably, I think, pretty much when I since I like preschool, because um, I always loved since I was since I was probably two or three years old. I loved drawing. I was always, you know, copying pictures and trying to create what I saw on television. And um, I loved books. I read a lot when I was a kid. My, I had, you know, a real excellent parents that always read to me. And my, uh, my grandma read to me a lot growing up. And, what were your um, favorite books? Well, um, everything. We used to go to the library a lot. And we had a lot of books at home. Um, I was really into, you know, Sesame Street and the Muppets still am to this day when I was a little kid. And I used to read a lot of those, those story, Sesame Street storybooks. Um, Carol Spinney, who just passed away, he was the, the guy that was mm -hmm. in the Big Bird suit and the voice of Big Bird. He actually illustrated a book. It was one of my favorites. He was a really talented illustrator. And that was one of the books that I always, when I look back at it, all these memories come back from, he had these really super detailed illustrations. And, um, but a lot of the books, I, a lot of those books I still have today, most of them. And um, when I look at some of them, I actually, I actually drew over some of the pictures. A lot of them are rabbits. When you, when you were younger? You yeah, because I wanted to, wanted to add to them and, and <laughs> do my own version of it. But I guess just drawing over somebody else's art. I don't know. I was little. But, um, but yeah, at a pretty young age that I, I, I knew that I wanted to do that for a job. Something creative like that. I mean, it, it kind of varied over over the years, but it was always set on, you know, I wanted to create fun images for stories or cartoons or whatever, television, whatever. Who encouraged you? Um, oh, my parents, my great parents that were really involved. And, um, always, you know, kind of opened the doors for me to be creative. And I had a lot of great teachers growing up also that really, um, gave me a lot of room to do creative things. And uh, my elementary um, art teacher, Barb Healy, she was, she was uh, an excellent teacher um, growing up. I had her all through elementary school and she was very, um, it, and my, in eighth grade, my teacher, Dale DeVillers, um, he was my English teacher and he, he, he was always um, very supportive of me and, um, I've lied lots of great teachers growing up and there were some that would get fed up because I would um, draw on like math tests and things like that growing <laughs> up 
in trouble. And I, I found some old papers from when I was a kid where the teachers wrote in like red ink on the side, like, this is not art class. This is math class. You know, really? it was kind of funny, but. Um, because we all doodle. I mean, oh, yeah. we, we all draw. We're encouraged to, to pursue art and draw the flowers and the sun and the, <laughs> yeah. the drawings. You've got some drawings. Drawings. And, uh, and so, but then doodling does tend to be frowned upon. Yeah, when you're supposed to be learning how to do math and science and reading. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I kind of had a little bit of embellishment mm -hmm. growing up, too. So, um, and here, when you got to high school, um, you have a walk of fame at Ashwaubenon High School. Um, apparently, you were the, the shit, as Sean says. <laughs> The big well, man on campus with with skills. I that was fun because I used to do the 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 mascot was the jaguar and um, the Jimmy Jaguar and and they had a really cool suit that uh, Dale Kuiper who used to live in Green well he passed away about twenty years ago but he was a special effects artist he actually built our mascot for uh, and it was really it was like a realistic jaguar it was really cool looking. And but I had my own version of it where he was kind of a superhero looking character and and I did like tons and tons of um you know like posters and flyers for sporting events and um uh locker signs during football games and all the homecoming stuff and yearbooks and it was it was fun I did that for a long time four years you know at, in school and um just kind of a weird thing recently somebody that was a parent um of one of the swim team um, currently this past couple of years asked me to, to do something in that, that with that same character again. And I hadn't, I hadn't done that in 20 years. In a while. <laughs> it was kind of cool to go back and revisit that character again. And I, and I did it for, for like a t-shirt design or something like that for this, their swim program, but that was fun. And it all came back to you. Yeah. So then how did you land in advertising? You worked uh, I think a couple of agencies before I met you at Archetype. Well, I started out, well, I went to UW-Whitewater and I, I majored, I had a BFA um, with a graphic design and illustration emphasis. And I always wanted to be an illustrator and I was kind of in, introduced to graphic design in college. And I guess I, I, I was always kind of so focused on illustration that I never really, I, I didn't get super into graphic design in college, which is weird because I was majoring in it. <laughs> but uh weird but at when i got out of college i my first job out of college was with um i worked with uh they're they're no longer around anymore they eventually turned into publisher it was Ra raven tree arts with this um woman named laura diedrich who actually sadly passed away a few years ago um and i worked with her and she was she was great i freelanced with her for a while and then i found a job uh down in the valley at uh Sayoc creative which was the in-house design department for the now defunct um, LaSalle healthcare clinics that were in the Valley several years back. And I worked with a guy, Kelly Lawrence, uh, who was our creative director. And I worked with two other designers, Joel Hazy, who you know, mm -hmm. and uh, Dana Racine. And we had a lot of fun. We were a small little you know, group. We were in this little room together and we just goofed around a lot. And we created a lot of really fun stuff. We worked on a lot of some of the Addy Awards um, events for the, for the ad club. That was the late late nineties, and um, what, were those, what were those themes for the ad club? I can't remember the exact, but one one was Matt the magic theme. I can't remember the the title of the show, but um, it was a magician themed magic 
um, show. We kind of made it look sort of like a vaudevillian era. Hmm. Um, it was it, that was so much fun to work on. We did a lot bunch of icons and poster illustrations, and mm-hmm. um, and we also I'm trying to think what the other ones were. Um, when uh, when this was might have been after, but when Ned the Dead came back and hosted, um, uh, I worked on some of the some of the art for that. Uh, that was a fun year, and um, yeah, but we just did a lot of healthcare related stuff, but we did a lot of fun things on the side. So you had this we ragtag had... team of yeah, yeah. we we and we were always making like funny stuff too on the side, um, <laughs> like fake flyers and fake wedding announcements and like um, <laughs> potluck newsletter, like potluck dinner flyers and stuff. Like we were just always trying to shock each other with weird stuff. We had a lot of fun working there. That's a fun outlet to create some make made up crap uh, uh, potluck lunch there. He <laughs> <laughs> can I get a flyer from you? <laughs> You're so talented. <laughs> so so what? How did you? So then you ended up at Archetype. That's where I met you, and you were there yes. for many years you were hired as a graphic designer and illustrator or yeah um i i well i was a freelance client and it was started working with jim rivet and um and he hired me on to do some freelance illustration originally and at the time this was kind of weird i had decided I, I like my job at for working for LaSalle, like they they merged with affinity health and they didn't they were going to do something else for their marketing department so we we're out of a job at that time and so I was looking for freelancing and looking for jobs. And um, I had actually decided to go back to school. I went to school for a, for a year and a half for really? um, art, art education. And I student taught. And I, I guess it just wasn't for me. I mean, teaching is a, is a, it's a, it's a tough job and requires lots of organizational skills and, and uh, just dealing with lots of things all at once and multitasking. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an introvert. So I, I, I kind of like just to, you know, work on my focus on my own thing right in front of me. And it, it just, it was very tough for me to, to do. And, and I was freelancing with Archetype and Jim actually said, well, if you, if you decide you don't want to go into teaching, you, you're always welcome to come here and work with us. And so like, I think halfway through my student teaching, I, I called Jim and, and I'm like, Hey, uh, is that job offer still up? And he's like, yeah. I, I said, when can I start? <laughs> like, I can, I, can I start like the first week in June as soon as like the school season ends? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then I started in uh, June of 2001 uh, working for Archetype. And I was there for 10 years. So that's where I met you and um, worked with a lot of really cool, talented people there for 10 years. What did you like best about working in that agency environment? I'm sure after leaving the kids behind, it was, you know, the the kitty prison you went to to work another in. kitty <laughs> prison no it was it was it was fun it um it was great it it was a lot of um creative collaboration i mean i made a lot of friends there we had we goofed around a lot and laughed and we had, i mean we were always we were always busy i mean you know working late on pro late at night on projects and um and you know it's just i miss the the thing i loved about working there was just like working with others, the collaboration and, and we like, we'd have like a team of people working on logos or, um, you know, poster designs for something or ad mm-hmm. designs and, you know, just seeing how everybody tackled the problem differently. Um, when we'd all come together and do our 
follow-up meetings or share what we had or pre present to Jim. Um, it's just cool to just to see what what everybody else did, and we would give each other, you know, feedback on things, and um, or even just working as a group. And one like when we each had a different task, like a lot of times I did the illustration or the um, the if it was for like a video project or something, I would do uh, conceptual sketches like storyboarding or mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but yep. yeah, most memorable clients. Um. Well. I mean, we had a lot of different clients. Um, I really loved doing like some of the um, kind of on a more community-based projects like the, um, the pro bono stuff. That was fun because that's where we really got to be super creative. And, and, uh, and you could always tell like Jim that that was kind of his passion, obviously. And, and we would, you know, go looking for um, reference materials and go to thrift stores and, um, you know, I we cut out. I'm sorry. I, I do find that the pro bono work tends to allow a lot more creative freedom because they're most organizations are grateful for the work. Yeah. There's usually, you know, you're doing it for free. So you yeah. have to be super creative when you're, when you don't have a budget. Yeah. It, it was fun. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I guess I miss, you know, I, I, I said I'm an introvert, but I do, I do like being around people sometimes and, and uh, the friendships. And that's what I really enjoyed about working there. And, um, and we had a really, when we moved to the, the new building after a few years, uh, we had a really nice library there where we had tons of books and most of them were like secondhand books, but just paging through those and looking for uh, photocopying things and kind of making up style boards and for inspiration and and that would be the 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 old presbyterian church that archetype purchased yes i believe it was sort of like a, a bell tower leading up to the top and they made that the library yeah and they used the pews that some of the pews that were in the church for the bookshelves mm -hmm. and when you went in there it looked like it'd been there for a hundred years but it was mm -hmm. you know it was like newly built but it was really cool do you ever have a time um and I'm sure we all do, when you were working at Archetype where you had this, oh shit moment, something went wrong, something messed up, something the client had a meltdown or just something that just did not go as expected. Yeah, there, there were a lot, a lot of things like that there. Um, you know, we had, you know, we, we, we had, you know, crisis situations where we were scrambling to get things done, but I had a, I have a pretty good, funny story about, it wasn't a, it was a freelance story. It wasn't, it, Archetype was not involved with this story, but, but I mean, like, I remember there were times, you know, I remember one time I was working on a calendar at a project at Archetype and it was right before Christmas and one of our clients, I think she was on vacation and I was, and this was back when we used fax machines and I was <laughs> literally, I had to get this out to her because she had to go someplace and she needed to prove it. And she was kind of sitting by a fax or something like that. And I was like sprinting back and forth down the hallway, sending her different pictures. And because we had to have it out to a printer at a certain time. And it was crazy. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of projects like that. But, um, but like I had a project, the, the worst thing that one of the worst projects I ever dealt with was a freelance project. It was to create a character for um, some group out, out east, in like New Jersey or something like that. And they were, they were creating a, a, a multicultural game for kids. Mm -hmm. 
and it had this had really good intentions but the the project leader on it was this super toxic i shouldn't say that but super toxic person and she kept like um she told me the character she explained the character and i i think i was the second illustrator they hired so that's kind of like a that's a cute red, red that's flag a cute. right there <laughs> and um and I, I i did and i was working for like really low pay this was 20 years ago and um i did all these different just tons and tons of different concepts and she kept switching the character like the character first it was a tiger then it was a uh, a bear and then it was a i don't know and um finally got to a point where it started kind of getting like dumbed down into like really bizarre directions and finally um it was like a like a globe character that looked like the globe from peewee's playhouse and she sent me like a nap like a nap a really crude napkin sketch and it was done with a sharpie on like a napkin it was all cr crinkled up she i don't know like photocopied it and s emailed it to me and said just follow this and recreate this. So I recreated, I made this globe character based on the sketch. And then she sent me an email back with all, all caps, just like, this, you did not follow directions. And, you know, you know, kind of like one of those quote unquote screaming texts. And I'm like, I don't understand what you want me to do. And finally, I found out later that she had wanted me to take this napkin sketch and color it. And and she wanted that to use that because she felt that it looked like a kid drew it, so she hired me to colorize a a scribble, and I and after that I just said I'm I'm finished. I'm like, <laughs> here's here's your bill, and it was it was terrible. Good luck. Sorry. <laughs> I get flustered when I tell that story. We all have them, so we yeah. we like hearing that that someone who's as successful has been in the industry as long as you've had been. Have, has had those kinds of experiences too. So when did you know when it was time to leave the agency environment and move on to something else? Well, it, it was, I always wanted to be an illustrator full time. And um, I had always had dreams of, you know, I loved working at Archetype, but, you know, just going off on my own and just drawing. And that was, that was my biggest passion in life. And, and I would, on the weekends and on nights, I would always just um, work on paintings and try to develop my style. And I didn't really, I didn't really catch the the bug until I was in my late twenties. As far as um, just building my portfolio, I just kind of for a long time I was kind of lazy and I didn't really. Uh, I just kind of drew for fun on the side when I first started working out of college, and then I don't know, like I just started building up my portfolio as much as possible and trying to challenge myself. And um, and, and I always kind of picked up. I've been doing off and on freelance illustration since I was in high school. And I just started to kind of kick that up and knowing that I wanted to head that direction. And, um, and I guess I, well, one of my clients was Cryptozoic, which, which is, I currently work for and they're based in California and they were just starting up and they offered me a full-time job to work, work for them. And I didn't really want to move out to California, uh, cause my kids were little, little at the time and I, I, you know, I have family here, you know, strong roots and ties here so i didn't want to and i love this area didn't want to leave so um and they said well if you want you can work with for us remotely so i jumped at that chance and you know it was it was, it was tough and it was sad to leave archetype but, mm -hmm. and um but but yeah it was uh it how was, many uh, years have you been working 10 years this year and you, okay 
I've been working for them. And then I also, and I, free, and I still, I freelance on the side as long as I'm not competing with their products or, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really fun. What are some of the fun projects you've done with Cryptozoic? Um, it's mostly like I do, like a lot of the stuff I do, sometimes it's conceptual work and it never really sees the light of day. So it's a lot of like, uh, concepts for like, sometimes for figures or, or we'll actually do a, pro we'll do a full bunch of illustrations for something and, and then the project never really moves forward. But for the most part, um, I work a lot. Like that's another kind of cool thing about Cryptozoic is I get to work in a lot of different styles. Like, um, um, and I'm pretty good at mimicking, um, different styles. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing I, I feel like kind of suck at is uh, doing like the digital painting. I'm not, I'm more of like a cartoonist. Um, heavy line type illustrator, flat colors and that kind of thing. But um, like I, I've worked on uh, a lot of like their Cartoon Network products. Um, like I worked on some of the Rick and Morty. If you've ever seen that show, Rick and Morty, uh, some of like the board games for that show and um, some of the cartoon shows, Cartoon Network shows like um, Adventure Time and um, uh, Steven Universe and... Um, and then I also, there's a few other projects that I, that I work on for them um, that I, uh, that my name is not really, well, that they're kind of weird projects, I, to, say the, to say the least. They're pretty funny. Oh, sort of like super fun. Um, what's that? Exploratory. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then on the side, I've been doing, well, I've been working in the publishing world. I recently uh, finished up a book series for uh, Penguin um, Penguin Group, and um, it was a six uh, six book uh, middle grade readers book about uh, called Claude the Evil Alien Warlord Cat, and uh, that was a lot of fun. That was the past worked on that maybe the past four years. I just finished the sixth book up um, this year, this past year, like when the pandemic kicked in. Um, I was working on the last two books. So I was pretty kind of swamped. Like it was kind of, you know, my world really, really didn't change in the, during the pandemic. So it was kind of weird. Um, so you were absorbed with um, finishing the series. And, yes. Um, and and I've, I've seen this and it's quite remarkable. This little angry cat who's, um, of course, I'm not a middle schooler, so I haven't read the series, but where could I find that book? You can find it um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, I know for a while they, it was at Target and Walmart, but I haven't seen it at Target in a few years, so I don't know if it did the numbers that you know to 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 be in Target stores on the shelf. I know you can order it through Target, but um, so it was kind of cool going to going to Target stores and seeing it on the shelf. It's kind of surreal, um, but uh, yeah, it, it, you can get it all over the place pretty much. Yeah, but the the, the last book just came out. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, so. So let, let me ask you, you said you were super busy during the pandemic. What makes you a, a successful illustrator? Um, I think I'm, I'm pretty, I have an open mind. I have a pretty good work ethic. Um, I have a, I think I have a pretty good attention to detail. Um, I've always liked little, little side details of things going on in the background that told separate stories. I feel like I have pretty good storytelling skills and good at capturing uh, 
the emotion of characters and interact characters, the weird little interactions they have. Um, and I think growing up, it, it was, I was always like a lot of going back to um, like, I, I forgot to show this earlier, but this is a book that my grandma used to read to me as a little kid. And it scared the shit out of me that the, the pictures in it were like these old kind of turn of the century, um, creepy looking illustrations. And these were the old fairy tales that were, you know, not really politically correct or um, by today's standards or they're someone like would get eaten or something in the story. It was kind of gruesome, but um, it's just like a lot of the illustrations in these books had these little weird things happening in the, in the margins. And, um, and I always liked paying attention to those little details. Um, world can, building. Can I add something? I, sure. Knowing your work, I would say a couple of things that I think you bring to projects that I love, in addition to everything you've said, is you have a wicked sense of humor. Oh, thanks. But it's also mixed with the side of sweetness. Um, and I love that combination. And, and I see that when you talk about some of your background um, or some of the Easter eggs or things that you hide in some of your illustrations. I see that sense of humor, but I also see some sweetness. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I have, for those of you out there, um, Rob has created his own Christmas card. Every year, he illustrates a card representing his family, and I do believe I have every single one saved. Oh, good, good. So, Thanks for saving those. For you to combine that into a book, so tell your literary agent that you have a book already. It's Christmas through the ages, right? Yeah, she she actually they put a they put a few of those on on my page for on their on their site, which I thought was kind of cool. But um, yeah, ever since um, I've been doing that since I was. In college, so it's been, yeah. Uh, since, oh, then I don't you know, have this that far back. Since 1995, I've been doing it, but yeah, ever since I met you, I've been sending you them. So you you have probably about 20 of them, probably. And you feature um, your family. You have two children, and whom I understand from your book, by book I mean Facebook, um, they, that they're also um, artists or aspiring artists. Yeah. Um, my daughter, well, both of them are. My daughter's, she's really talented, but she's kind of more of a, um, she's more into like science and um, astronomy and, and she's, but she's one of those people that's good at everything. You know, it's, it's like, oh, gee, I wish I had that, you know. Um, but, at, and she just does it for fun. And uh, she does these really beautiful paintings. And it's kind of funny because I, I'll show her my work that I did at her age. And she kind of, and, I'll say, well, you're, you're a lot more talented than I was at, you know, that back then. And if she doesn't believe me, then I show her the work and she kind of smirks and doesn't say anything. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of funny. And my son is real, he's real creative. He's, he's not super into art. Um, he likes to draw, but he's uh, more into like video games, and, um, gadgets. And he's really good with um, creating three-dimensional things like props. And he built a samurai sword last year and, he, yeah he's for so he your, has the, the for when he goes to burning man he actually he i thought of him <laughs> when he's a, when he's an adult you know that'd be that'd be something he'd probably be good at but he he'd probably be freaked out by some of the stuff there so maybe i can hire him for my, for my next closet full of costumes yeah <laughs> props or weapons or something he's good at that kind of stuff 
So. Um, how would you describe your style? You said you're more of a flat line. Uh, what, what did you say about your style again? Well, I'm kind of I'm more of a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, uh, like, I work a lot with mo- mostly pen and ink. I'm like a 50-50 traditional and digital artist, pretty much right down. Like, I, I don't like drawing on a, like, a lot of people draw with, like, Procreate or on a, with a Cintiq. Um, I, I like to actually draw on paper. I just, I just feel more comfortable that way. I, I just haven't really, I still actually color with a mouse. People can't believe that. Like I do all my digital coloring using a mouse. Um, but yeah, I'm like a 50, 50 mix. I do everything on paper, uh, either with, um, with India ink or I lately I've been using these little nice little like brush pens. They last a long time and they're a lot more portable than carrying a bottle of ink around and I'm just spilling on the carpet or whatnot. Um, but I, I've been doing that for a while now. I used to do watercolors, but it, it, it was, it just took too long and I couldn't get the colors to be vibrant enough for what I wanted to do. And they, they were a little slower to work with and I had to scan them and all that. So I, um, I like to try to do a nice mixture of things. Um, and I kind of like, I guess my, I guess I would describe my style as kind of a mix of, um, I like to pull a lot of things from the past, like kind of have like a retro feel, but using, um, I don't know, today's humor and, um, <laughs> sci-fi yeah. retro monster retro. Yeah. Yeah. Good way. Good way to put it. Uh, I, I like, I really like, um, turn of the century era illustrations. Like if you go back and look at, um, uh, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm getting his name right. W.S. Denslow that did the, the, the original illustrations for, um, the wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that kind of stuff, but just kind of doing more of a modern take on it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned some inspirations. You talked about hitting up thrift stores and looking at, um, you know, lots of old books. What other inspirations do you find when you're ready to launch into a project? Well, um, it's funny because I used to spend a lot more time in like bookstores and libraries. And now it's now that we have Instagram and Pinterest, um, I'm always going and looking at other artists work and that that inspires me to see how other people tackled problems and and now um in this you know new digital world we're in um there are so many artists out there there's so many talented people and there's people that are like in college that are doing like incredible work that's like i kind of it's kind of intimidating to look at um you look at some of the stuff and it looks like they've been working for 30 years and it's like they're they're you know just out of their teen years um it's crazy um but yeah there's so many artists and the world is a lot smaller place now with you know social media and the internet that um you get to see a lot more mm-hmm. um you talk cool. about young younger is there a piece of professional advice that you wish you'd been told earlier in your career well um yeah um I guess I wish I would have been more motivated at a younger age, um, knowing what I know now. Um, but also, uh, not having, not fearing, uh, failure and taking more risks in life. That's something I wish I always, I always had to have a safety net, you know, with things. And I, and I didn't like to take too many huge chances. And I feel like, you know, I, that, that's something I wish I would have done at a younger age. And also the, the whole thing that gets me back, 
it's it, lots of creative people suffer from this some more than i would think um is like imposter syndrome mm-hmm. when you get chosen for a project or you're working on something or, or you don't have the confidence to share something because you feel that you're not good enough or uh there's people that are way better than you that should be doing this job and that's that's another thing that i wish i you know i'm still working at trying to push aside and um and and when i was in my younger you know younger years that was something that always kind of brought me down too not um, enough confidence in your own work or believe yes complimented you yes pretty much <laughs> well like you said that is pretty common in our industry yeah it's common with well yeah in our industry and all over the place unfortunately so what are you working on now any passion projects um yeah just some um working on some fun uh i'm working on some fun client projects but um, right now, I've been kind of planning out every year in October, there's lots of different drawing challenges online, and lots of people participate in this. And there's like, uh, there's a program called, um, uh, I'm saying it right, Drawloween. It's like where it, there's uh, the 31 days of October, you draw a different picture every, every day that fits a certain word or theme. There's also ink, Inktober. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I, I've done it in October every year, um, for the past, you know, five or six, seven years or something like that. Usually what I can never finish con- it. Cause it what still- does that contest consist of Inktober? It's like, um, it's, it's not really so much a contest, but it's just like everybody, they have a, they have like a keyword and people do draw something that fits under that word. Okay. And you challenge. Know, like, yeah, it's a challenge. It's and and you get to share other people's work online and it's really fun um this year i think i'm gonna do something a little different if i have time i'm gonna do the draw halloween um uh challenge so it's all like halloween themed stuff so that's and my favorite your work out there it's just uh exercising a muscle and yes there. okay yep yeah and it's fun it, there's you see a lot of really cool stuff inspiring time <laughs> what are some, um, who are some creative people that you admire? You, you mentioned several in the industry, um, but maybe there are other creative folks that inspire you outside of um, either advertising or um, the entertainment world. Um, well, yeah, like uh, writers, because that's something I can't, I cannot do. Like whenever I, I um, read someone's novels or um, I have a friend who's a, Caleb Shaw, he, he actually used to work for Imaginasium. Um, he he's a super talented um, novelist, and I don't I just don't see how people can come up with ideas and form them with words and um, um, create these real intricate um, images through words and have the organizational and attention skills to uh, I don't know develop these vast stories and uh that that's something i wish i a talent i wish i had i admire people that are good at that can can do that and like like there's people like yourself that are writers and um just to be able to uh have the attention span to create something like that um i can only <laughs> i can only do the visual part well i think that's a mutual admiration society right there because i think those of us who write also envy those who can draw and, and there's uh, some people that can do both. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are. 
Um, did you know that Linda Berry is teaching a class in Madison? Do you, do you know Linda Berry? Yeah. She's teaching a class in Madison right now. Really? Uh, yes. I follow like, her on Insta. Remotely or? Uh, no, she lives in Wisconsin. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, she does. So um, I don't know if she's always, but recently. Um, but she's been posting some very fun student exercises on her Insta. Wow. Yeah, like they had to draw themselves as a fruit or a vegetable, and they have new names. They all her students go by a nickname now based on a character, and it's pretty fascinating. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> um, so speaking of cartoon or comic book characters, is there anyone that's due for a makeover that you'd love to get your hands on? Yeah, um, there's a there's a show I used to watch when I was a kid. It was a Saturday morning cartoon. It was uh, in the early 80s. Um, it was called Fundar the Barbarian. And it was, uh, it's, it's, it was only, I think, one or two seasons made. And then it got canceled. But um, it was a fun, uh, it was a, an apocalypse-themed cartoon where it was, a, it was a fantasy show, but it was set in um, after the world was des or destroyed in 1994 or 1997 or something like that. <laughs> And it was um, where there was, for some reason, since, like, the world fell, like, somehow there were, like, wizards and monsters. And, like, it, it was really bizarre, bizarre story. It's very strange. Um, and it, it just has all these really cool elements. It, it's like a now with all the stuff that's been happening in the past 20 years or so, if people worry about the apocalypse and, mm. um, you know, remember the Y2K stuff and then mm -hmm. now with COVID and, um, and Walking Dead is showing the end of the world and all this stuff. It's also depressing. And um, Thunder the Barbarian actually showed like a fun, cool apocalypse. It, it, like <laughs> if it was like that, I wouldn't mind. Because <laughs> there's lightsabers and all this bizarre stuff. Um, the cool thing about that show is, uh, yeah, it was kind of a goofy, fun look at society falling. And um, the nice thing about that show too is at the time, one of the one of the lead characters she was a, a tough like female lead character and she was not a non-caucasian character also um uh, was princess uh, i can't remember her name um she was like a sorceress um uh, princess ariel or something like that but um for the time period that it you know night this is like 1980 or something like that 7980 um she was kind of ahead of her time as a character i mean her outfit wasn't obviously but um but yeah uh, it was still be a cool character TNA. it was still tna yeah that kind yeah. of outfit i mean as safe as it could be on a kid's kid's show but sure. uh, i think she had like a onesie costume or something like that you know typical of that time period but um still a badass female yeah she was a really cool character she was a, i think more of a supporting lead character but um but yeah um but i think that that show uh i would love to see a recreation of that show <laughs> My kids love it too. That's one of the only shows from my youth that they would actually watch. I try to show them all these old cartoons and they, they have no interest in them. So, but they like that show. Oh, well, thank you, Rob. Thanks for coming on and, and talking with us. And thanks, Carol. Great to see you again. And Good seeing you too. And we'll be looking for more of your. Um, do you have any books in process now? Um, something started now that Claude, the Claude series is book ended and well right now um i'm doing some stuff for um 
a uh, was working on some games for Cryptozoic, but on the side, I'm doing some work for um, a uh, uh, for Epic. The the uh, kid, the, my kids use it in school. Um, it's a uh, it's not. A, I'm just doing some support art for uh, some stories that they're doing right now. Um, so yeah, I just started working with them this summer on the side, and that's been a lot of fun. But right now, I I, I don't have any book projects as of yet. But just working on a lot of random different character design jobs and and uh, a lot of other fun stuff. But a lot of like I said before, a lot of it doesn't see the light of day. It just you know conceptual work. Yes. Well, that's how you get to the to the finish line eventually. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 fun, creatively rewarding. <laughs> thank you so much, Rob. Yeah, thank it's you, Rob. Thanks, guys. I miss you and I miss you too. Principal Conversation is created with help from Studio 44 in Green Bay and produced by Adam Arnaldison. Please support your AAF Fox River Ad Club by becoming a member today. You can sign up for membership and events at aaf foxriver.org.